Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the Awakening Empty Nester podcast. We are so pleased you can join us in today's show. I am Michelle. And I am Mark, your host of this podcast, a show that was designed for you, the Awakening Empty Nester. In this series, we will be bringing you a whole range of inspiring insights, heart-filled stories and conversations with truly amazing people. People just like you. People who have navigated through their own challenges, lessons and opportunities. People who have transitioned to living a life of deeper experience, heart-filled contribution and consistent awakening and growth. Find out how they are all living with what we call a strong ECG life pulse. Let's discover more as we dive into this episode. Whether you're an empty nester or not, we trust you will enjoy today's show. Let's get started. Hello and welcome back to the Awakening Empty Nester podcast. We're so grateful that you are joining us again today to listen in to this conversation with a beautiful soul and friend, Dr. Okoje Omo Okonkwo. Okoje is mum to three beautiful young children and lives a fair distance away from us from here in Australia. She is all the way over in the UK. She is far from being an empty nester, yet she possesses much experience of transition, breaking points and breakthroughs that will inspire our empty nester community and many others. Okoje will share stories of rising from setbacks in her life, using her resilience and determination in the face of adversity. Her love for learning and growth and her contribution to helping women embrace their potential for leadership will inspire you, I'm sure. Akoja is a motivational speaker, a transformational business and personal coach, a clinical teacher, and an accomplished and highly accoladed dental surgeon. When you hear her soothing voice, I am sure you will agree with me that all dentists should be trained to speak like her to soothe <laughs> their fears of going to the dentist. We were blessed to meet Akoja online about a year ago during a transformational course which helped all three of us cultivate and express our voices, our stories and our messages for the world. I personally have been eagerly waiting for this conversation as there's so much about this lady that I am curious to discover. One of her strongest beliefs is that in your breaking point lies your biggest breakthrough if only you will walk through it. Welcome Akoje. Oh, I'm bursting with joy. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm just so grateful to be here. And when you read about me, when you say all those things, I'm just like, oh my God, is that me? <laughs> I'm so happy to be here with you guys. And you guys are such a special, special people. And I'm so grateful. Thanks for having me here. It's okay. We'll pay you later. <laughs> Now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are absolutely happy. It took us a while to get started on this podcast because there were so many laughs, so many belly laughs, yeah. and I still have a pain in my stomach right now just from laughing. <laughs> I know so, my cheeks are 
<laughs> it's been a joy-filled start to our podcast and yeah. we just want to know more about you, Koje. Tell us where you were born, where you live, tell us about your kids. Oh, so I'm originally from, I'm sure you've gathered from my very, very British name, not uh, my name <laughs> originates from Nigeria. Um, uh -huh. I'm one of five children. I'm the only girl, so I grew up with um, lots of testosterone around me. <laughs> but my brothers were really such gentlemen. Um, and uh, my father was a very traditional man. My mom was a very traditional woman. And they sent me to the UK to study at a very young age, at 12 years old, um, in the 90s, um, to an all-girls school, Catholic school. To say that it was a shocking experience would be an understatement. I remember just sharing with my children when I first came to the UK at that time, um, you know, um, everything was new. My parents just dropped me at school and left. Mm. And um, that was really daunting. I remember not understanding what people were saying because mm -hmm. the, though we spoke English in Nigeria, the um, intonations and the dialect was totally different. The mm -hmm. culture was distant. Um, the way the kids talked to adults was different. The food was different. Uh, I remember when going to the shops at one time, so it was all in the middle of countryside in the UK. So it wasn't like even the city like London, where it was very cosmopolitan. It was like the countryside. And uh, I remember going to the shops in this little village and a child pointing, that's the brown lady, like with not with any bad um, tonation but just the shock of oh my god there's actually a human being that is brown in this mm. world they've never seen a brown lady so growing up there being there for five six years mm -hmm. of my life and not seeing my parents really shaped my life actually mm -hmm. incredibly mm -hmm. i was pulled away from my brothers um, they went to a different boarding school and mm -hmm. i hardly saw them i saw them every three months mm -hmm. so i think that one incident or that experience really um toughened me in many mm -hmm. ways i found it extremely difficult the first three years but mm -hmm. um, after um finding my feet i started to excel in different ways and i became captain and deputy mm -hmm. and just transformed as a leader mm. and I think that experience I would say prepared me for my current experience my current challenge but moving on from there I went into university study and um, decided my teachers actually told me in boarding school that people like me um, particularly um, couldn't do dentistry because at that time we didn't have many black dentists in the UK mm. so it was seen as odd that I would even think of going for dentistry. I remember her telling me I could potentially go for interior designing. Um, and I thought to myself, why is this woman so crazy? Why is she thinking I can't do this? Mm -hmm. And at the time, I didn't even think it was um, a bias. It was just, I just thought, she's odd. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's one of the things when people put limitations in you, mm. I guess you've got to rise above that. And um, yeah realize it's their thing, not your thing. So I went on to do a first degree. I didn't get in my initial grades to get into dentistry. And then I did this degree um, for three years. My parents were like, are you sure you want to do dentistry? And I was so adamant I wanted to do dentistry. And I got in and offered to do dentistry. And then that's mm -hmm. when I finished dentistry, did so many postgraduate studies and 
got married and had my three beautiful children. So mm. that, I guess, is a little bit about me and my yeah. my little journey so far. Your little and... journey. I did hear the British <laughs> accent there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so why dentistry? What's your passion around that? Actually, I wanted to do science um, from a very young age. I think there was a school visit we had in primary school which it's made is incredible how you if we look back at our lives and we, we realize that actually certain things happen to us which really transform and shape our destiny. Mm-hmm. And you never know when, when, when it will come. You don't know when that would visit you. I remember going to a handicapped, uh, that's what it was called, a handicapped or disabled home for children. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember seeing this child who was so... Honestly, he was unable to really walk, mm-hmm. and um, but yet in his eyes, you saw so much determination to live. Wow. And I just thought in my heart, oh my God, if this person could fight through such heinous disability, then I want to be part of that solution to help more people. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just the child's eyes. I remember looking in his eyes and he was, he was, um, he didn't have any hands. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember thinking to myself, there's so much joy in his face. And I thought I wanted to help. I wanted to help children who were in this kind of situation. I was a child myself. Mm. So I guess I could relate to feeling like he couldn't go out to play. Mm. Um, he had to be fed and he was living in such poverty, mm-hmm. but still he was so joyful. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh my God, there must be many more children like this. So my love for helping and nurturing people started from that. Mm-hmm. And then when I got into boarding school, part of my wanting to you know, overcome my pain of being away from my parents and so on, my art teacher suddenly found that I enjoyed clay work. And I thought, we'd never done that back home in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. And I kind of got into that and I knew that I loved working with my hands. So I guess dentistry was a combination of working with your hands, a bit of artistry mm-hmm. and a science. And mm-hmm. my dad was really adamant that he wanted me to do medicine. But I, I wanted to have the opportunity to do something that I could work around my children. And at that time, mm-hmm. medicine just seemed like be working on call and I didn't want that. So I guess that is the reason why I decided to do dentistry. Mm-hmm. And I thought it would give me an opportunity to be an empowered woman because mm-hmm. I wanted a professional career mm-hmm. that still allowed me to have time for my children because I knew I wanted children and I knew I loved children. Mm-hmm. So I guess it combined all those things and I, it, it has delivered that. And I mm-hmm. think along the way, my vision and my, my purpose has become clearer. And so it's become beyond more than that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that is it really. Yeah, well, that's a beautiful, a beautiful reason why you're doing what you do. And as we've discussed previously, the why and your own growth and your own journey through life, things change and your perspective on things change and your purpose changes as well in some way, doesn't mm. it? And you're yeah. not only doing dentistry. Tell us a bit about how you moved into teaching because you love teaching as well. 
I do. Actually, it was all thinking about it. It's all part of the same thing. It was mm. about wanting to, because when I went through dental school, it was a very competitive environment and mm-hmm. you were you were kind of uh, respected based on your academic achievements. Mm-hmm. And really, if you were scoring very low, you were seen as a dumb, dumb person and you're worthless. So you would be like, ah, my God. So I guess for me, when I understood dentistry, I realized that actually it's more about a confidence in yourself. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to give back to my profession after working for 15 years. And also around the whole dental arena, there was lots of things that went on in university, which I felt when I was in university, I wish I had people to mentor me and to talk to me about it and to see me beyond just being an A student or um, someone who was very good at doing dentistry. So I guess I wanted to go to dental school to, to teach dental colleagues just how to build themselves up beyond dentistry. Mm -hmm. Because I think when you come from that place, then you can excel. And I wanted to be one of those teachers who weren't um, all high and mighty, someone they could relate to and Mm -hmm. talk to. Um, So I guess that's the reason. And once I entered their mind and was able to give them that confidence, then understanding dentistry became easy for them Mm. so that was that was my thought process behind it a lot of these students they've been so pressured all of their life to get into dental school so difficult Mm. Um, and they had to prove themselves and prove themselves and prove themselves and I wanted to teach them that life comes beyond that proving yourself you were accepted and loved and for who you are and this is just an extension of your gifting right Mm -hmm. and I was able to give that to them and it's great. I left there earlier this year and it's great that a lot of them still contact me and say, oh, Dr. Oh, they call me Dr. Oh, Mm -hmm. you are one of the most inspiring teachers is because I went beyond the academic side Mm. of things. I went into the person and I guess that's the reason I love what I'm doing as a coach because a lot of the time people are defined by their profession mm-hmm. um, their mom and blah 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 and all these mm-hmm. things and they just living this life mm-hmm. based on other people's values or people people have put things on them you need to be this you need mm-hmm. to do this mm-hmm. and helping them understand who they really are that actually allows them to flourish mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. to be their best and truly really know how to move their life forward because sometimes after a while this whole you must do this must do after a while you're like I don't need to do anything you feel like you you just get to burn out so I I guess um, I wanted to help my colleagues at the start of a career to mm-hmm. build a solid foundation so they don't experience burnout like a lot mm-hmm. of clinicians in their mid-40s experience. Yes. <laughs> Not saying my age. <laughs> I'm only 20. <laughs> I love that. I love that you've seen through the labels and the degrees and the letters behind your name and you've you found the human behind that and you've tapped into to that not only in yourself but to help other people to find that within them so they themselves become happier within themselves and they can contribute more whether yes. they're a dentist whether they're a garbage collector whatever they may yep. do yes the core is about them feeling happy fulfilled in themselves first before yes. you know before they can serve yes. yeah it's that yes. whole identity 
the issue that we all mm. are challenged with, aren't we? You know, I remember yeah. when I moved away from architecture, you know, I, I, I labelled myself self as an architect for many years. And when I moved and transitioned out of that career, I found mm. some period of time where I just, I couldn't disassociate myself from that. And we see a lot of people do the same thing. You know, mm. you become your profession yes. rather than yourself. Yes. You're speaking earlier even about being brown-skinned. Yes. People put that label on you and if you are mm. identified by that, you'll only see brown skin or you'll only be yes. brown skin, whatever that means yes. to you. Yes. So, yes. Same as profession, like you said, Mark, and empty mm. nesters, our audience. We, there is a very strong attachment to being a parent who is looking after, because you've looked after your kids for up to 20 years or more. And yes. you identify as that parent who's around your kids so much. And when empty nesters become empty nesters, there's that almost that void of, okay, who am I now? Because the label has mm -hmm. been so strong. And that's where we help people to unlabel themselves and um, yes. not even label themselves empty nesters because empty nesters is more like a transition. It's more like a, a phase in your life. Yes, absolutely. And it's a bit scary when you get to that point when you realise like you ask yourself those questions, who am I? Mm. Uh, it's very unnerving, but it's a good place to be. Sometimes life happens to, to help you to grow. I mean, to be fair, I've experienced this thing so many times. <laughs> and it's sometimes when it comes again, you kind of feel like oh, it's coming why is this here? And then you mm -hmm. reflect and realize that it's actually, you're moving to the next level. So it's a new chapter. Yeah. Um, and it's accepting that that's a new chapter mm. and seeking the, the help, like with you guys. Um, I, I know my mom's experiencing that in a big way. Mm. Um, and she feels really lost. Mm. Um, but we transition, you know, from me being in boarding school to university, from me being from university to working to, mm -hmm. you know, being a mom um, to not working and then going back into work from middle management to senior management, then from my kids leaving, oh, my God, my son is 12, <gasps> transition. <laughs> he wants to walk to school. <laughs> and I'm like, no. And I'm like, oh, my transition is here again. Yeah. Mm. Right? That's and right. it is is what is life calling you to, to become or mm. to, to step up into. And it's it's sort of scary. Mm. But actually, when you one thing I find with this phase is that it always looks scarier than it actually is when you walk into it. Mm -hmm. It always feels like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. Oh, my God. But it's just, <laughs> as you said, it really does. It feels you, you kind of catastrophize the situation mm. but actually it's never as bad as it seems in the end mm -hmm. um and yeah i think for me just on that transition phase i never um as you know i've separated from my husband and going through a divorce mm -hmm. that has been something i never thought i'd go through <laughs> um. So that has been one of my biggest biggest transition and mm -hmm. my biggest growth um, my biggest biggest growth ever so mm. yeah painful but it's it brings so much good good mm. stuff to the mm -hmm. surface yeah. so can i ask you a question about that yes what's the biggest lesson that you've learned through the transitions that you've been through so far the biggest thing that you've learned about you okay jay i'm gonna well up <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm super emotional sometimes. What are the biggest lessons I've learned about me? That I am, um, I'm centrally love. I can't stop loving. Beautiful. No matter what, whatever bad experience I have, I always return back to love. Mm. And it's a place where I feel safe. And sometimes life makes you want to be bitter and angry. But when you return back to love, you experience more, more of the goodness of life. And I feel so, honestly, I feel, I feel like life is a bit of a dance, right? And I feel like in that lightness, you just, you just feel alive. Mm. So I would always say, doesn't really matter whatever you've been through, um, it's always happened for a reason. You may not, you may not understand it, but it's always important to be yourself. Mm. And for me, I did struggle with trust, but the more I held myself back from opening myself up to people and so on and so forth, because I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to trust again. Mm. I was kind of killing myself. Mm. As I said, I am, I am essentially love. Mm. And that's never going to change. So that's one of the things I've learned. I've learned some quite courageous. Mm-hmm. There's some things that um, when I speak to people, they're like, oh my God, oh, well, I can't believe you're going through the, you know, but I didn't know that I was very courageous um, until you have to be courageous. <laughs> until you have to pull out courage, then you know mm-hmm. you're courageous. But I believe that there's nothing the human spirit cannot overcome there isn't anything that's another thing mm-hmm. you may feel like it's insurmountable if you let go of what you think it should be mm-hmm. and accept what it is then it becomes easier mm-hmm. and i think for a very long i was resistant i was resistant to what life was trying to teach me mm-hmm. and i was like it must be this way why isn't it this way but when i let go of those ideologies and and embraced life just open I'm open to life then it became easier so letting go of the resistance it's allowed me experience new friendships that I some friendships that I've never would have gone for I experience mm-hmm. them now it allowed me to become a different person mm-hmm. to let go of what I was taught to be I was mm-hmm. taught to be a very shy person very reserved but I actually love being silly my, my kids are my greatest teachers. Mm-hmm. It's allowed me to enjoy life. Yes, it's given me so many gifts, so many mm-hmm. gifts. My, my biggest challenges have given me my greatest gifts. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. The image I received in my head as you were sharing that was the little boy you shared earlier in your story, mm-hmm. the, the disabled child and the joy that was in him, even though he lived in poverty, even though he had these physical ailments, yet he lived in joy. What you just shared is irrespective of what's going on, being a doctor, being kids and everything else in your life, the central part of you, of each of us, is love. Mm. Absolutely. And I want more of it. (laughs) (laughs) When you're hurt, when you're going through this transition period, there's a part of you that feels like you want to protect yourself. Yes. You want to 
protect yourself from being hurt again. You're never going to put yourself in this position. But once you lock yourself in one aspect, you kind of lock yourself to many other aspects mm-hmm. of your life. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I'm wiser. Mm-hmm. I'm more discerning, but I'm not going to stop loving. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to stop embracing people. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the biggest things that I focused on more than anything. Oh, and another thing is that one of the things I'm a very ambitious person, mm-hmm. but a lot of times I'm always working on a project, which I enjoy, but I almost stop living my life for that project. Mm-hmm. But it's understanding you've got to enjoy your life, live in the present while you're building this project, right? Mm-hmm. So for example, if I had like an exam, I wouldn't chill out with my friends. I'd be like, once I finish this project, but the funny thing about my life is that there's always projects. Yeah. And then you... <laughs> well, with three children, you would be very busy. <laughs> it's so true, right? Absolutely. You've got to squeeze the juice out of every day. You really do. Because mm-hmm. I don't know, with all that's happened in 2020, it's just mm-hmm. made me realize more than anything, tomorrow is not a giving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I actually ask myself every day, oh my, if today was supposed to be the last day, God forbid, mm-hmm. who would you celebrate? What would you enjoy? What would you say to the children? I think that's the thing I always wake up saying, what would I say to my children? And I always say to them, I love you. I'm proud of you. Mm-hmm. You're just such an amazing And they go, oh, mom, please. <laughs> <laughs> could you leave me be? But... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Life is so fragile. Mm. So you just never know. So, That's so true. whatever you're going through, just make sure you're present and enjoying the moment. Mm. Absolutely. That's, yeah. that's very key, isn't it? It's a skill of being present and being grateful and appreciative of everything that you are in right now and everything that's available for you. Mm. Yes. Like even just talking to you guys like at the end of the day I would write down things I loved and I do that every day because Mm -hmm. I was getting to this place of just negativity and I just thought every night I write down the things that have really lit me up and this Mm -hmm. is one of them (laughs) so I'm really grateful for this experience and um, as we are yeah and like you we do that we've there's actually a bit of a love story from the practice of gratitude for us so we, as friends for two years, as friends, after attending Date With Destiny, we decided we'll be accountability partners and do the gratitude. So three gratitudes each night we texted to one another. And I don't think we even, we might have seen each other every three months or so as friends. Ah. But we continued that every night I'd send Mark three gratitudes for my day, whatever was happening, and he'd do the same. And to this day, and it's what, how many years now? three, four, I don't know, too many years to count. Six years. (laughs) Six or so years. (laughs) I could have said too many, but I could have. That was a nice one. I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I believe that that brought us together. Not only from being grateful, being present in the moment as you're feeling the gratitude, but also getting to know one another as well. Same. Every night we will go to bed and we'll say gratitudes, three, maybe more. No, it's so important. Absolutely. Yeah. And also it like teaches your brain to find what is good, Mm. right? That's Mm. for sure. Yeah. 
Exactly right. We can find things that are good in the good stuff, in the happy stuff, in the fun stuff. But what about in the challenging stuff? So if yeah. we're wired to be grateful, grateful for things and to see the opportunity for gratitude, we'll see it in the challenge as it's happening. Yes. That is the lesson there. If you can yes. find it there, you're halfway through or more through that Absolutely. to breakthrough. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. something you've done a lot of. You keep yeah. practicing and you're teaching now. Yes, it's a must. It really is a must. I was just reading this um, book. Um, I don't know if you've come across Man's Search for Meaning. Yes. And um, I, I mean, that's my go-to book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I've read it like three or four times this year. Yeah. And um, my kids were just sharing about them learning about what happened in this um, book, the Holocaust mm. experience. And I was just like telling them my thoughts. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I said to them, you know, life is you have good times and you have bad times. And, um, you know, the bad times just reveal what's already in you. Yes. Mm. Wayne Dyer talks about this quite a lot. You know, if you've got an orange, you know, if you squeeze an orange, what will come out of it is always orange juice and never apple juice. <laughs> mm -hmm. The bad times or the challenging times, which happens to everybody. And I think that's the thing that we get shocked by. Like, oh my God, this is happening. But mm -hmm. actually, it, bad times always happen mm -hmm. in everybody's life. Um, but it's knowing what, what have you put inside you. Um, that's what will come out. Yeah. So... We're sharing that um, that experience in the book. They were like, oh, my God, mommy, did it really happen? And I was like, it did, but this man survived and so on and so forth. Mm. So, yeah, that's one of the books I really I really read a lot. And every time I read it, I get more insights. Mm. So, yeah. Reminder, just to see the book lying there too, you go, yep, well, if that man could survive the Holocaust, yes. what can I survive? How, yes. how much? How much more can I love today? Yes. Absolutely. Those empowering questions we talk about, right? Mm. Yeah. Mm. So tell okay. us a bit more about your coaching and, and what yes. you've transitioned into now. Well, coaching was very much accidental, really. It was more because I felt like I was trying to show my patients how to, you know, really follow dental hygiene. I was like, this isn't rocket science. What is the hang-up? And uh, that was about 2010. So somebody told me about this coaching and how it helps people move forward. And also I wanted to, I had a sales team that I was working with. I also, I was thriving. I was making my sales and my team couldn't make the sales. So I was like, I don't understand. Um, so essentially, I, you know, went into coaching to support my patients, but also support my team. And then I just, opened up this world of personal development. I was like, okay, <laughs> where have I been on this earth? This has been going on. So um, I guess, so I really use it as a side from my, for my, my, my profession. And I think last year, I really stepped into doing it away from my, my core business. And I noticed that a lot of women I was talking to we're all feeling the same way or about moving up in leadership or, you know, I'm a stable mom. I'm not, who am I? I? I have nothing to offer this world. Or maybe they were, 
you know, looking to go back to work like me after I had my babies going back to work was such a nerve-wracking experience. Um, and it just intrigued me, like, oh my God, we all going through this experience. Why are we experiencing this? And how can I help more women? And that was how me just going into coaching really developed and understanding people's beliefs, limiting beliefs. And if I could just help them to see themselves different and really understand, because when you're, when you're in a situation, you form values, you form beliefs, it's all part of who you are. Mm. You can't actually see that there's actually another way of mm-hmm. viewing the same situation. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to create that space where people can actually almost like map out their life, their values, their beliefs, and be able to say, ah, this is what's going on. Okay, what do I need to shift or change to be able to move to the next level? So that's really what I I really do. Um, I'm already, I'm not really, I'm just allowing people the space to be themselves and with no judgment. It's not like I'm doing anything magical. It's already within them because that's fundamentally what I believe. Yeah. Um, that you have all you need within you and I just mm-hmm. provide that space of not and a lot of the clients I work with like oh my god oh my thank you so much for you know saying this because I thought it was just me I mm-hmm. thought this was just in my head and a lot of us especially as women there's a lot of these there's so much pressure societal pressure to be everything to mm-hmm. be super mom to be super cook super businesswoman so it's just like and um and so there's this Thing, underlying thing that sometimes they don't feel enough, we're not enough. Mm. Um, and, you know, as our Tony would say, Tony Robbins, if you're not enough, you won't be loved. Mm. And fundamentally, I think that's the, um, you know, um, big thing surrounding women. Um, and also the whole, we live in a very male-dominated society in large. It varies from culture to culture. Mm-hmm. So, it's great to be able to create that space where women could say, actually, this is what I'm feeling. I, I, you know, does this feel, is this okay? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, am I allowed to feel this way? Mm. And be able to help them move their life forward. Mm. And giving them permission to be themselves is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and I believe you facilitate that through a group on Facebook, United Sisters. Yes, it is very much so. And, um, yeah, so I've got the United Sisters and I've also got the podcast, United mm-hmm. Sisters Podcast, where I bring a lot of women who are doing great things in the world mm-hmm. um, from different backgrounds. We had somebody who's a TV director, another lo- lady who's a professor of psychology, mm-hmm. another lady who is an entrepreneur, just from the diverse views. And they just share really authentically their mm-hmm. struggles. Mm-hmm. Because somehow we've got this impression in our head that we've got to be perfect before we step into what we need to do, Mm. right? Or, oh my God, why am I not doing more? Maybe I need to be more like this person or that person. Mm. It just allows you to see that these ladies have the same struggles Mm -hmm. and just really shares the steps they've taken Mm. to overcome it. So yeah, it's it's a great space and I, I love doing it.
<laughs> yeah, and you've got some great podcasts. I've listened to most of them. We'll have the links to your podcast in our show notes, listeners, so you can catch more of the beautiful voice of Okoje on there. <laughs> <laughs> so we'd like to ask you, Okoje, I mean, things have been changing a lot for you, transitions in the past few years. Um, mm. You're in the UK. You've also moved house recently, I believe. What's yeah. the next big experience that you are looking forward to oh my god homeschooling no no i'm not i'm not doing that <laughs> <laughs> i did it like for six months i'm like this is not for me <laughs> <laughs> so there's many there's many things i really want to accomplish um i really want to grow my leadership and coaching practice more mm-hmm. That is one big thing. Oh my God, you're now putting me on the spot. <laughs> so I now have to like vocalize it and say it. <laughs> Come on, say it. <laughs> oh, I really want to, there's a couple of um, small businesses where I'm working, projects I'm working on with my friend, like a uh, African clothing brand or looking to bring a touch of Africa to some of the things that we're, fashion really just a touch mm-hmm. and that's exciting to do with a, a few ladies but more than ever I really would love to host a tv show mm-hmm. and it will all be around um, empowering women mm-hmm. really and I'd love to be able to interview more should we say celebrity <laughs> uh, women mm-hmm. um, um, and people yeah so that I want to create that space especially for um, ethnic minorities, actually, mm-hmm. um, just for people to know their role models out there and um, they can ac- accomplish um, a lot. I think the, I'm sure you guys have heard of the Black Lives Matter movement mm-hmm. that really impacted me in a big way. It was stuff that, in terms of, it's stuff that I felt for years, but to see the impact of, of ignoring it, because mm-hmm. It's something I haven't really experienced a lot of. Um, mm-hmm. It's easy for me to not acknowledge that people's lived experience. Yeah. So I think the space, creating that space in a TV show mm-hmm. will be great for people to feel like um, their role models out there, they can look mm-hmm. up to and this is mm-hmm. how they achieve. So those are the two, three projects that mm-hmm. I'm working on in the next year, mm-hmm. as well as looking after my kids, getting my kids ready for <laughs> secondary school and yes. um, moving off. Into, yeah, so those are two things, um, two or three things on my heart for yeah. the next Beautiful. 12 months. Beautiful. Love it. <laughs> Contribution is one of those beautiful elements in life that we love we love to do personally and you do that as well and you do that through your podcast and through your coaching what contribution do you wish to make in this chapter of your life i'm gonna well up in a minute i think i want to empower more younger women to know that they can achieve whatever they want to achieve so i want to work with more people who go into science because i know that when i went into science and females I felt very much alone. There were a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. And so I want to really help and mentor, mm-hmm. you know, younger ladies who want to go into science. So that would be one thing. At some stage, um, I'd love to go back to Nigeria mm-hmm. and set up some homes 
that guy, that little boy I met when I was probably nine or eight, I still see him. Mm. And um, I would love to have a home where I support children with disabilities. So I'd love to do that kind of work. But I would imagine that for me, that would be later on when my kids are grown. So that's mm. a project I'd love to do mm. and supporting people who are underprivileged children mm. back in mm. Nigeria. During your empty nested years, possibly. Absolutely. I think <laughs> my children, I'm like telling them already. Honestly, I'm not sure if I'll go through empty the feeling of it because I've already told them at 18, your mom is going to be traveling, doing this work. <laughs> So they're like, no, but you're trying to get rid of us. And no, not quite, but sort of. They're forewarned, that's all. I know. They already know. They already know. I was just going to ask, have you been back to Nigeria since you left when you were a young girl? Yes, my parents made me go every year because they wanted me to remember my culture right up on. So I I started having my kids. Then I started going maybe every three years or something like that. Um, But so from 12 to about 24, 25, I used to have to go every year, three times Mm -hmm. a year, sometimes once a year. Um, Yeah, yeah, I'm very, it's good to go home and I I love it. But I I would imagine I'm more Western Mm -hmm. because I've lived most of my life here than in Nigeria. But I do, my children say, they always tease me. They're like, ah, mommy's going into her Nigerian accent. I'm like, Because when I call them, um, when they've done something, I'm like, Nathan, come here. They're like, yeah, mommy's angry. She's in a Nigerian angry. <laughs> I'm like, go away. <laughs> I remember my daughter whispering to her friend, my mom's talking in a Nigerian accent. We are in trouble. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> forward to following you on that journey that's that's amazing so kojo what is one thing that you want to overcome i public speak and i think that would be something i was really nervous about but i don't know i'm though i don't feel that scared Hmm. something that scares me the thought of bungee jumping scares me into like all these kind of oh I can't do stuff like that so those kind of things scare me um you mentioned one time that you wanted to come to Australia then when I mentioned spiders (laughs) (laughs) Mm, okay so one day I, I I had a scream from downstairs it was my daughter and literally, she was like, Mommy! I was like, oh my God, what happened? What happened? Ran upstairs. My daughter got into the room, thought maybe something, she had cut herself. She was on the windowsill. This is like a tiny girl, skinny. She's on the windowsill. What was it? This little spider. I mean, I mean it's not even as big as my nail. It also came because of spider. I I said to them, because one of the things I'd love to do is go to Australia because my qualifications, I can just easily transfer it. Mm -hmm. My my kids just, you know. (laughs) So 
we can't confiscate it because of spiders. Right. So, so it's, it's not your fear, it's their fear. Yes, it's their fear. Uh, <laughs> because we've got spiders everywhere. Oh, look, there's one. I'm also scared of mice. It's really bad. But you've got rats. You've got rats over there, haven't you? I know. I'm so scared of them. That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, so, right. like, we sometimes we get them in our garage, and I have to go with my son, my youngest son, and we yeah. do the whole. Ah. <laughs> 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 and then, like, so I push him in the garage. He goes, "Mom, you're my mother." I'm like, "I know. I'm so scared." Oh, you push him in. <laughs> <I> carry... <laughs> You know, you really do need to come here because we used to have mice and rats here as well, but we don't anymore. Why? That's not, <laughs> why? Why does God? No, it's the no, it's the pythons and the snake that have cleaned them up. <laughs> <laughs> um, you'll just have us. We'll be in Australia, but we'll be in our house. <laughs> <laughs> because one of our friends Australian and they told the kids so this was like it nailed it on the it really nailed it we're never coming to Australia they say sometimes they find it in their shoes and sometimes they have to like I think in nurseries they have to do a shoe check my daughter was like mom forget it we're not going we're not even going to visit and under the (laughs) toilet seat really yeah, red back under the toilet seat. It's a great old song, a good Australian song. Would red like back to under it? the toilet. I'm not singing. <laughs> I'm not singing it. Red back under the toilet seat. You have a look it up on YouTube. It's a good song. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, they don't hurt. They just gosh. sting a little bit. Oh, don't say that. They say they have so, killer spiders there. Like. Yeah. Yeah, we've got a few. That's okay. We've got them in the garden. They're just right at, right outside. We've got a two and a half. Serious? Mark, I don't even know if you're serious. You're just pulling my legs. No, no, no. What? Eight of them? No. There's, 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 <laughs> there's, 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 seriously, there's, um, they're funnel web spiders. They're, they're in the garden just straight outside, and they've got them in the shed just straight outside. There's a two-and-a-half-metre python that slithers around their house and eats, uh, has a nice feed on the birds around here. So it's all Oh, good. no, you're joking. You're joking. It's okay. not possible. <laughs> So poor Koje, she didn't have any fears to start with, and now she's got about 20. <laughs> well, oh don't God. tell her about the, the jumping ants that bit you. Yeah, the jumping jack ants. Oh, can we stop this conversation? Yeah, we should. Oh, I think okay. we should stop. Because... Australia is a really safe place. Yeah. It is really beautiful. Yeah. Hey, we're going to the zoo next week, and we get to see crocodiles, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 No, no truly, we do have all of those species of animals and insects, Mark mentioned, but you hardly ever, ever see them. In fact, really? I, had to go, I had to go overseas to get bitten. So January this year, went to Cambodia and I mm. got bitten by a monkey. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's just and because never... you put your finger in his mouth. <laughs> I got bitten. 
I was just standing by myself and he just came. <laughs> well, it was actually true. I was sitting there by myself and he jumped on my shoulders and then bit my finger. But, you know, I've never gotten bitten by a snake or a spider. Just, mm. an, just an ant, that's all. That's all. So, to just be clear, is it like it's not in the cities, but it, you can find lots of these animals or creatures in the countryside? Oh, no, no the kangaroos jump down the street. They carry the kids to school in their pouch. It's <laughs> 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 a great old myth. <laughs> Watch, I was listening. I was like, what? What? <laughs> Shall we keep this on the podcast? Or? Absolutely, this is fun. Oh my god! My, now my cheeks are sore. Oh, my jaw. I think I need a dentist. I've dislocated my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, come on over and help him. No. <laughs> You're on your we own, can sister. Halfway. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll, we'll stop there, I think. So we're going to ask you one last question, Akoje, and I'm sure you'll be all over this one. So just seriously. So how would you define an awakening soul? That is deep. Hmm. An awakening soul. Oh, my God, that's really deep. I think our waking soul is one that begins to accept what is. I think that's one of the things. And understanding that your life is happening. And this is so, a term that I use a lot, that is happening for you for a reason, rather than thinking that life is happening to you. Mm. So everything that happens is there to teach you something. That's how I feel an awakening soul rests. So it's not an accident that things have happened. It's not good or it's bad. It's just there to teach you something. Mm. And it's having that view. So if anybody is in your life or has come into your life, you don't make that person bad or good. You think, okay, what is it about me? I'm supposed to learn. An awakening soul accepts that... Um, change must happen for growth and that's one of the things i i am also embracing myself as well that things will change and i must accept that's the process of life i, I say this with very serious a very serious attitude because i don't think we really really appreciate that that change is normal mm. and it's allowing us to grow to open up the next chapter of our journey the waking soul appreciates that they also create their own reality, how they want to see the light, their world. So that's for me what's happened. I say that many in many ways because um, I was very sheltered in my upbringing and I had a very one way of thinking of life. And, um, and I think all that happened to me Initially, when I awakened to what, why God had allowed me to experience 
my my family, my upbringing. There was a lot of anger because of some of the things that my parents had put on me. But when I awakened to the fact that it happened for a reason to equip me for the next stage of my life, mm. I stopped putting the blame out onto this person or that thing or that situation. I understood that it was just a lesson. It was for a purpose. It gave me tools and so on and so forth. Yeah. So I think, yeah, that's what I believe in awakened soul. I do believe I'm awakened but I also believe there's more awakening to come. Mm. <laughs> so that's why I pondered about the question because I still feel there's an unfolding that's still mm. happening mm-hmm. in my life. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Do you think it's a, a destination, awakening? Is that a destination or, or a process? I think it's a process. Yeah. I, I, and it's a, that's what, it, when you say it's a process, and it's allowing it, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I do feel like I'm, I, like, I like to plan two, three years. This must happen. But this, something has changed in the last couple of years for me, which has stopped me thinking, you know exactly what's going to happen tomorrow. So I feel like, no, actually, it's allowing it to happen. Mm. And I stop resisting the change, right? Mm. So that's why it can't be a destination because you never, you don't know. <laughs> you just don't know. We never arrive, do we? I mean, it's constantly yeah. evolving, constantly yeah. changing. So, yeah, it's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much, you guys. It's been so much fun to be with you guys. And I'm sure, like, if we connect in the next, you know, a couple of months, there'll be more of that I'll be happy to share. <laughs> we maybe do another podcast, yeah. I'd love to. Yeah. You two are definitely crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Akojay, for sharing with us and our listeners the many drops of truth, some of mm. your life journey, your inspiring messages, and most of all, for highlighting to us and our listeners the importance of acknowledging and being open to change and process Mm. that life happens for you. We are certain that you have awakened the minds and hearts of all of our listeners as to why and what is possible when we choose to live lives filled with fun, joy, laughter, clarity, truth, confidence, alignment, authenticity, awakening, and love. If you're curious to know more, to link arms on a mission to make a difference, then let's create magic together. You can reach Okoje through the various links in our show notes. Thank you again, dear listeners. We don't take this time with you lightly. We work every day to be the living example of everything we teach. We are deeply honoured and privileged to have the opportunity to contribute to your life in some way. Yes, this is a great honor and opportunity to deliver information and the fact that you are taking an hour or so out of your day to listen to this podcast, we are humbled for your presence. And if you feel awakened by one of our podcasts, please share your experience with us. Reach out and send us an email to podcast at thedreamarchitects.com. You can also join our community on Facebook at The Awakening Empty Nesters. 
Till we return with our next guest, may you be inspired to walk through breaking points towards your biggest breakthrough so that you are opening your world and that of others to deeper experience, unconditional contribution and consistent growth and living with a strong ECG life pulse. It's goodbye from Mark and myself and thank you again, Dr. Koje Omo Okunkwo. Thank you for having me. <laughs> This is the Awakening Empty Nester podcast. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard today, share with a friend. And if you have not already done so, please subscribe, rate and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments or feedback for us, you can reach us directly at podcast at thedreamarchitects.com. Looking forward to you joining us on our next show. Thank you for listening.